your one stop for exclusive interviews. I'm joined by University of Central Oklahoma quarterback commit Cooper Wilcox. Cooper, thank you for taking the time to talk to me today. Man, really, the culture that the coaches show as soon as you walk in the doors, they make you feel like your family. They make it feel like a, a healthy environment to come and play football. I'm joined by University of Central Oklahoma senior H-back Dante McGee. Dante, thank you for taking time this morning to talk to me. This is honestly a once-a-lifetime thing, you know. Usually you get your five years and you're done, but you know, you get an extra year of play. I was like, you know what, I, I want to come back. I want to spend another year with these guys. Game press conferences. I didn't really like my first read, so I was just went to playmaker mode. Game previews, recaps, brought to you by me, your host, JG Smooth. You're listening to The Cho Show, only on the Suave Report. Good morning, afternoon, evening, night, whatever time it might be. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of The Cho Show Podcast, presented by TheSuaveReport.com. I'm your host, Jonathan Goodall, a.k.a. J.G. Smooth. It is, ladies and gentlemen, it is the most wonderful time of the year. I'm not talking about Christmas. I'm talking about football season in Edmond, Oklahoma. It's finally here. It is game week Thursday. After many eight months or so of talking to players, talking to coaches, watching film, I just, it is, it is now time to see what the UCL Broncos look like under head coach Adam Grohl. I am, I am more than excited to see this here. Uh, Thursday to kick off on the road against Missouri Western. I think if we were to surmise what in in the, the seven, eight months or so that we have been talking to players, talking to coaches, watching the film, if you were to surmise it, if you're new here and if you are new, welcome. I appreciate it. Uh, you could sum it up in a few points. I think the first point would be number one that this team that whatever one is that the talent is better than the records have suggested. I think that's been pretty apparent the past couple of seasons. 2019 was a lot of injuries. Last season was a lot of bad breaks and some close games. But you can't deny the talent that's there from Steph, Stephon Brown, to Michael Slater, to Robert Fuentes, to Dante McGee, to Dylan Buckhite, to Trayvon Craig, to Kobe Stevens, to, to Mike Cope Jr., to Johnny Barzelda Ford. I can go on and on and on here about the talent. Okay, so there's no shortage of talent. Number two is hunger. Okay, I think especially. And this also ties to my third point, which is leadership. We talked to several older guys in the program, Dante McGee, Lane Grantham, Peyton Scott, Marlo Hughes, uh, John Mattel IV, and they, they've, all, they've all had a singular goal of wanting to, to make sure that people know the past few years has, is not the standard of UCL football. When we talked to Dante, Last week, okay, and I brought up the fact that the preseason conference polls, they had him at ninth. Dante's one of the most chill guys I have ever talked to. And when I when I brought that up to him, 
First, I said they were seventh or eighth. He quickly responded nine. And this was like the most serious look I have seen out of Dante in my three or four times talking to him. Uh, I, it really struck a nerve. And so I know if it struck a nerve with Dante, it struck a nerve with the rest of that of that locker group because, and before I say this, I don't mean any dis- dis- disrespect to these programs, but to be lumped in there with Missouri Southern, Northeastern State, and Lincoln, that's not where UCL football is supposed to be. Okay, that is, is just, it's just not. And I think it's taking it, the older guys... They're taking it personal, and I think with their remaining time, especially guys like Johnny and guys like Dante, that literally, like, this is it for them. And even Trayvon Craig, because we don't remember if we talked to Trayvon Craig, unless he gets a hardship, this is literally it for him, too. So I think talking to, to those guys, there's a sense of not only urgency to make the most out of the 11 games they have left, but to make sure that after the 11 games, the program is back on the right direction. And so I think if you pair all three of those with a great head coach and Coach Adam Doral, a man that has won in this league, has won national championships in this, in this league, in this level, I think you have a team that is dangerous. I think you have a very, very dangerous football team that is loaded with hungry talents, with hungry leadership, with 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 hungry coaching, or that that want to make sure all the investments in the program, the the renovations, the new turf, the waterfall, the visiting stands. I heard we're getting some some new some new uniforms. All that is not for nothing, and I I think if you combine that. I really think we're going to surprise people. Now, to what degree, I don't know. But I, I do think, unlike the past two years, it won't be a bad surprise. It'll be a good surprise. So that obviously starts, like I said, Thursday, 7 p.m. They go to Missouri Western. Last year, that was the first game back after the pandemic. It was a fantastic environment. Tears were shed. That was also a great game for the first position group. We're going to go ahead and break down here from at that time. TCU transfer quarterback Stephon Brown. Uh, If you're new here, Stephon Brown made an amazing uh, debut in a Bronco uniform. Had a nice deep uh, touchdown pass to former uh, wide receiver Marquise King and a glorious touchdown run right there. Two plays. That I have not seen any UCL quarterback in my time covering since 2017 make. Uh, and so, after that, however, though, it kind of went downhill for Steph. He kind of had some rough games. I'm touching this before. I didn't think all of it was the man's fault. That Missouri Southern game, I felt like it was tough because we didn't have any deep threats in that, in, in that ball game. And then uh, the uh, Emporia game, it just was not good for him. And then they went with Keith's down the stretch. Now, talking to Steph, uh, there's several times since that when we when we when we when we first talked to Steph, he he did he he mentioned his struggles that he had. He mentioned that he needed to to improve in a few areas. Uh, and he mentioned accuracy. He mentioned footwork. 
Uh, and then even talking, because I have been going back and listening to the to the one-on-ones that we've had with coaches as well. I went back uh, the past week or so, and I had listened to uh, Coach Donald and Offensive Coordinator, Offensive Coordinator, uh, Adam Lechtenberg. And it was something that both those guys said um, that correlated with what Steph said last time he came on. And it was that he's got his knowledge of the game has gotten better. Uh, they both mentioned, all three of them mentioned now, that when they watch film, he's really understanding what he's seeing um, and, and, and that he's picking up on defenses. And it was also another thing that, that Coach Lechtenberg said, which was some guys, it, it, was, it was something along the lines of like, some guys play the game, but don't really understand the game. So now if you're taking that and you take a broader look at that, and you can say a few things from that. You can say, one, that Steph is making the improvements that is needed, which I never doubted. But it's just good to hear the confirmation on that, which is which is a, which is a very good thing uh, heading into, into the season. But number two, it, it, it was, so that's basically telling me, and they, even Steph kind of said it himself, he was just out there playing, which is a scary thought. If, we, if, if what we saw out of Steph in that Missouri Western game, what we saw out of him in the season, I, would get, I don't think the offense was the, was the right fit for him because Steph, to me, is not a two, three-step drop, throw it timing guy. Steph's a guy... Uh, again, I always go back to the, to the Cam Newton comparison because it, it just it just fits for me. He's a guy you just you give him the ball, you let him go out there and make plays. Now sometimes it that it that doesn't work. Sometimes he 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 does hold the ball too long and and try to make things happen. But to me, the offense last year that 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 wasn't too Steph's strong suit. But again, that that just it, it, the fact that he was out there playing, and, and it, it, it kind of makes sense because the second time he came on, uh, he wanted to talk about his high school career. So I went, I watched his high school tape, and I watched his JUCO tape at Independence. And I let me listen. I when he's given the freedom, if you go watch that Independence tape, there there were some throws in there that. Uh, they were Sunday level throws. Okay, they they were Sunday level throws, and they weren't designed throws. And, and I don't know how much freedom he will have in this offense. I I do suspect though it won't be. I suspect it'll be tailored towards his strengths, <clears throat> towards his strengths in the in the pass game. I definitely believe that. Uh, because Coco's door is all about maximizing the talent that he has. And that was kind of one of my gripes the past few, 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 few years when I felt like we were trying to fit the talent into a scheme and not vice versa. Um, but so that that's a very scary thought for pulling defenses right now. That if Steph was doing what he did last year, without really knowing what he was doing. If he knows what he's doing now and he's got an offense better suited for him in that in that in that pass game, 
He's got more explosive receivers now. I mean, it, it, I think the man's in, in store for a really good, good season. Now, there is a few concerns I have, which is number one, uh, there is no other quarterback on the roster that has taken a college snap. So it being, him being healthy is paramount. And he mentioned this before. Uh, he's going to have to go out of bounds more, have to slide more. Uh, Steph is a very physical football player. The man likes contact. Uh, but he understands that in this case, with him being the lone quarterback to have thrown a collegiate pass, he, he has to make sure he lasts the season. Because behind him, you have OSU transfer uh, Peyton Thompson, that, again, has never taken a snap. So, yes, he's played college football, but hasn't, if you understand what I'm saying. Same thing with J.D. Geneva, the rest of the freshman out of the union, right? He's been in the environment, but he hasn't taken a snap in a game. Uh, and then the other quarterback that I, I'm high on, if you go back to that signing day, who I, I firmly believe is a guy that, we're, that I, I think – honestly could be the quarterback for the next four years is Cooper Wilcox uh if you recall on signing day I said after talking to him after watching the film I got some pretty big Chastowered vibes and when I went to print out the, the roster on Friday they had the numbers out on the roster and I find it I found it mighty fitting that he chose number seven which, as we know, is the number of Chad Stowler and the number of Will Collins, who were two quarterbacks that just jumped at me as comparisons to Cooper Wilcox. And so I just, if that's not a sign right there, I don't know what is. But I, I would be thoroughly surprised, though, if, if he's not the guy to really... Like after this season, that he's not the guy that that you see taking the snap for the next four years. I I just I have that feeling. I had that same feeling about Tyrone Howe. If you're a longtime listener, you would know Tyrone Howe. They originally registered him in 2018 out of Idabel. I said it was going to be tough to keep him registered because he had a heck of a, a scrimmage that I went to. And lo and behold, three games into the season, they burned the red shirt. His first game he had, he had over 100 yards. And, and, and so I just, I, I have the same feeling here. Cooper Wilcox is going to be a name you're going to hear a lot of. And is a name that I think will do great things in a Bronco uniform. But this, but, but this season, I think the key to that, to that, that position Really, is just is just being healthy and hitting the passes when called upon. I just it seems like it's going to be a run first offense, which I I get I I get it because we have two of the better backs in the conference. Um, it's just I feel like it's a weird situation because I feel like you have playmakers. I just think they're unproven, and so I think Coach Doral's thought process is we'll give the ball to the proven guys. I would let the other guys come around, which I think will definitely work. Uh, so I think the quarterback unit, I, I, I think, I think is definitely in store for a, a very solid, solid season there. I think Steph has, has taken all the necessary steps to make sure that his last season in a UCLA uniform 
uh, doesn't kind of fade away after the first game of the, of the season. And uh, now moving to who he'll be handing the ball off to. Uh, like I mentioned, like I mentioned, I teased here. You got the best. I feel like one of the best duels in the conference in Jace Gardner, the sophomore out of Moore, and Peyton Scott, the former Oklahoma Gatorade Player of the Year out of Sand Springs. Both those guys do a great job of not losing yards. I think there might have been fifty combined yards lost between the between the two, which is really impressive when you look at the offensive line struggles last last season. I think the biggest thing with that group really is staying healthy, uh, especially for Jace. And I think Jace had that he had that ankle injury against uh, Wasburn when he was on a tear in that fourth quarter. Then he had that collarbone that I think uh, made him miss spring. I know Coach Doyle said that he is good good to go for for the for the season. Uh, that, but that that that's a, that that's a unit. Like I said, that that those two guys, as long as they can they can stay healthy. Uh, should be good, and I know Jace's goal is like twelve hundred yards, fifteen hundred yards. Um, I think he can't get there. I think if 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 way the volume the volume I'm getting is should be a lot of runs, and and so I think there's going to be plenty of plenty of chances. Um, as long as the, those guys stay healthy, as long as the offensive line improves, like we've heard they have in, in, improved. Um, I think we should be good there. Now, what concerns me is this is probably the worst depth there since that 2017 season. Now, if you're new, uh, 2017, the gist of it is either everybody got hurt and or quit. And so by the last handful of games, they had to start a walk-on by the name of Bruce White, who was a similar stature to Peyton Scott. It's actually a reason why Peyton Scott chose um, UCO because of the success that Bruce White had, and um, and, and, and they were almost they almost had to burn the red shirt on a converted receiver, my man Sabor Daniels, uh, at that at that at that point point in time, and that was a position that after that year, former head coach Nick Bobek made sure there was plenty of depth there at running back. Now there 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 is there is there is depth. I mean, you got numbers. But there's no experience. So you got hey, Coach Doral brought in a former OU walk-on receiver in Nasir Kemper and Lawton Mack. Um, he also brought in uh, he, he brought in some walk-ons that moved over from wide receiver. I know when we talked to running backs coach James Gilbert. He mentioned that Jackson Clemens, the uh, sophomore out of Plainview, Really had a good spring there, so I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up getting in that in that rotation. They also have uh, Josh Cast, a registered freshman out of Lincoln Christian, uh, and then they brought in three freshmen. They brought in Andrew Carney, an All-State guy out of Collinsville, that followed the ball on Twitter. I appreciate that, and then also, as we know from signing day, uh, Nate Jones out of Clinton and Antonio Junior Smith. Out of a union that had three or four D1 offers. I think as long as we don't have to get too deep in there um, and, and have to consider burning some restaurants, because I know talking to Coach and then listening to him on the uh, MIAA Media Day, 
he wants to build the program through freshman and development. I, I know there's a lot of new faces in here, but I think he had to do that, number one, in order to get a roster together because there was just so many holes. And number two, to allow the guys to register and develop. So I know he's not high on bringing in a ton of JUCOs. Um, I'm somewhat happy about that because we've seen the past, the couple of last few years of the, of the Bobek era, there, were, there was a lot of reliance on JUCOs and it, it worked in some aspects, right? I mean, Robert Fuentes, Michael Slater, uh, Mike Pope Jr., right? It worked. Dylan Hall, uh, you could say it it, 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 it worked there. Um, Marquise King, it worked. But it, it uh, TJ Roberts as well. But there were also a lot of misses there. And, 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 and it's, it's tough to have consistency when you when you go that route, I think the only people I've seen to make it work is um, Kansas State and Bill Steiner. And I guess you could say UTEP lately with Dana Dimmel, who was a disciple of Bill Steiner. So, uh, but I, I, that's not a way I think you sustain success, especially in this league. I think you have to build it through the high school ranks, uh, through redshirting and through development. Uh, so. I would suspect a lot of these guys get registered. And now there are some freshmen I think are just too good to keep off the field. But uh, I, I think the vast, the vast majority of them will get registered. I think that I think that that's the case with those running backs. Now, looking at age back, obviously you have the best in the conference. I think it's a guy even Coach Coach Donald said he believes can play in the NFL. That is senior Dante McGee. Dante, we we know, is a dear friend of the podcast. Uh, also a great story. The first time he came on, you know, he was a receiver for a winningless UConn team. Uh, he came in at 6'4", 210 10 pounds, and here he is now. But five years later, five, six years later, now it's not standing at 6'5", between 250, 270, depending on who you ask. Uh, and it's just an absolute beast. Now, I'm hoping, I'm hoping that he gets more opportunities in the in the past game. This was a this was a, a question I always had for former head coach Nick Bobek. Are we gonna get Dante involved in the pass game more? I felt like last year the offensive line struggles we couldn't. But when he did, you watched that Fort Hayes, watched the Central Missouri, and watched the Washburn game. You will see what Dante McGee can do with the ball in his hands. It is great things. It, it is it is very, very great things. It takes several it takes several defenders to get him down. He's a he's a matchup nightmare. He's too big for most defensive backs, and he's too fast for most linebackers. Like I said, I think he will be used more in the pass game, uh, just because we are going to more of a pro style offense and the offensive line if. If what we've heard is true about the development there and the improvements, uh, then I think he should have some more opportunities there to make plays in the pass game. And I'm sure they will. They will, because I think Coach Doyle and that staff going to do a tremendous job of putting guys in the best spot to make plays, uh, which is something I felt like wasn't always the case uh, the past few seasons. Uh, but, but behind him is redshirt freshman Dominic Dunn out of Mustang, 
Uh, this is a guy I have been waiting to see play as well. Uh, there's two red shirts on offense that I've been waiting to see play. He is one of them uh, because that tape on the Mustang reminded me a lot of Dante McGee in terms of what he can do with the ball in his hands. Uh, and so I think if he does live up to that potential shows some promise, I think he might be the ace back of the of of the future. Now, a new position this season is tight end. Now, in my five years covering, uh, they they attempted to have a tight end in 2020, but obviously the pandemic happened and tight ends they signed left. So it was back to ace back last year. But they do actually have tight ends now. Uh, granted, they are all unproven. Uh, you've got one sophomore who's actually supposed to come on here. He got sick. We were not able to reschedule. But that is Eastern New Mexico transfer Devin Bailey, 6'7", uh, 20. When I watched the tape, uh, he was a receiver in, 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 in uh, high school. The best I can describe his game, he's not fast, but he's not slow. So he's not Dante McGee. But for long time UCL fans, he's also not Marshall Tolson. So somewhere in the middle is where you're going to get him. Uh, in his limited playing time last year in Eastern New Mexico, uh, he had like three catches on the season with two or for touchdowns. I think with the six seven size there, though, I think you get a guy here should really be good in the red zone. I think with both him and Dante out there, I mean, it's almost like pick your poison. I mean, who are we going to, you know, cover there? Uh, so I really think I'm interested to see how that is utilized in the pass game um, and in the run game. I'm curious to see how that, how that, how that works. Now behind him uh, are two freshmen. One, I feel like I am really high on that. If you go back to that signing day, that is Oscar Hammond out of Collinsville, the converted receiver. I said then it might be tough to keep him off the field. I still contest that. It might be tough to keep the man off the off the field. Uh, you watch that Collinsville tape. The man was playing receiver, safety, and punt returner. Uh, you just, I feel like as a guy, if you add some weight to him, you get him in that 235, 240 range. I think he's, he's, he's going to be a guy that's going to do a lot of good in a UCL uniform. I think we should see some of that this this season. And then you also have Tyler uh, McCarty, another 6'7 dude out of Tuttle. Um, I know Coach Donald felt like they got a steal with him. Uh, watching the film, I did the eight. It was hard to tell because he was mainly utilized as a blocker and was a darn good blocker. So that might be his 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 calling card. But again, he has the length there uh, to really make things happen. I mean, you got two six seven tight ends here, and and all are sophomore or or younger. So that's a position I feel like can can just only only improve with with time there. So. I'm curious to see what that unit does. There's a lot of there's a lot of uh, unknowns in that in that unit, so not <clears throat> really sure what to expect. But uh, should be interesting to see to see how that how that works between the eight back and tight end unit. Now moving on, we have receiver. Now this is a unit 
that was hit hard by graduation and defections. Uh, there are actually only two receivers returning, to my knowledge, that played in a game last year. Uh, and that is senior, my man, Jeremy Jeremy's the fourth, the uh, former Carl Albert Titan, uh, former quarterback. Uh, Johnny, I felt like by his standards, he kind of had a down year last year. He kind of had more drops than he had previously. Uh, but I'm talking to Coach Curley. He, he, he was pleased by Johnny in the spring and the fall. He was pleased by his leadership. I know Johnny's a, a, a quiet guy. But I know Coach Curley said that he had, he, that he had become more vocal. Uh, and so I, I think, you know, I think Johnny's role, honestly, might improve in this offense because uh, if we're going to a pro style, Johnny, to me, is your, like, prototypical possession receiver, right? I mean, he's, he's got some size here, six foot 185, so he's not small. Uh, but Johnny does a really good job of making the tough catches, makes the grab in traffic, is, is willing to go across the middle there. Uh, even though he gets killed when he goes across the middle. Um, and, and, and so I I really think there, I know Coach Crowley said he feels like he's in store for a really big season. I know he mentioned the, um, was, it, was it either him or Coach Adam Lechtenberg mentioned about the, 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 the new split alignment they're going to have at receiver. I know what one of them said is going to that is going to sure to benefit Johnny tremendously. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to seeing that. And then the other receiver that played in two games, someone we were supposed to have on until Wi-Fi decided they wanted to uh, crap the bed. That is Peyton Lusk, the the son of uh, UCL Hall of Famer Alton Lusk. Uh, I know he when we talk when I talked to him. Obviously, you guys didn't, didn't get to hear it but when I talked to him. Uh, he definitely has a chip on his shoulder wanting to prove uh, that he is indeed a quality receiver. That's a guy uh, actually was a basketball player prior to a back injury. I think he said it was his sophomore year of high school and then decided to play football, which is weird because usually you got a back injury, you're not playing football. Um, but in two years' time, uh, helped him win a state championship and then signed D1 at uh, Missouri State. So clearly there is some talent there. Uh, clearly there's probably, you know, he's probably still raw in that in that regard. Uh, so he's a guy I'm also really looking forward to seeing. Uh, and then you've got junior Adrian Wilson, the NEO transfer from Union. And I felt like it was there last year. I don't know if he was hurt or, or, or what, but uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what he also brings to the table. But there's a lot of young guys that I I am just over the moon to see. I we're looking. You got the JUCO transfer, Madison Ridgeway. You go back to that signing day. Uh, you 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 would see how hyped I was about Madison Ridgeway. Talking to Coach Coach Curley, uh, he was high on Madison. Madison to me is a guy probably. I mean, if you, if, if you remember Amante Preach Phillips, the Juco in 2019, the, just the sheer explosiveness that he was, I think Madison is along that same route here. 6'3", 210 sophomore out of Iowa Central Community College. 
Uh, the fact that he's a sophomore is great because we get three years out of the man. But watching that film, he he is he's got the size. He's got enough speed where you can't. You I mean you can play a man against him, but he's so physical that if you probably not gonna be able to jam him on the line. But he, he but in zone you have to give him space. He's he's a weird guy that can do it all. Which you don't normally see from someone of of, of his stature, uh, so I'm really looking forward to seeing what he. I think he has a very, very bright future here. I think could really become a, a mainstay there in the offense. And then they also run in another transfer uh, from uh, from Eastern Michigan by way of Dakota. That is Jacob Delso. Uh, he was a three star recruit actually. Um, and, and, and he's another guy. I have not seen his tape, but let's see, he is six foot 185. So again, he's similar to Bizel and stature. I'm really looking forward to seeing what he does too, as well. We were supposed to have him on, um, but we weren't able to get him on before fall camp. And then you also got Bryce Williams, who we did bring on. I didn't even know it was on the team last last season. He's a guy now, also 6'3", 210 from Mangum. Uh, that he moved in from Texas. Uh, he, that's, uh, that's another guy now that he was... I remember when he mentioned, though, that when he was thinking about going back to Juco, he was thinking about playing tight end. So that's a guy, maybe, maybe if it doesn't work out at receiver, he gets moved to tight end in the near future. I just, I don't know what to expect because the only tape I've seen was him and Mangum, and he was a man amongst boys then. So it, it was really tough to get a good feel. Now, I do know the man's a big physical receiver. Uh, he's not slow. Uh, he does have some, some uh, moves. But as far as what he actually brings to the table, yeah, we, we kind of have to wait and see. And I feel like that, that's, the, that's the gist with this whole receiving unit, really. As there is potential there, we just don't know. Uh, you've got registered freshman Jamie on Dangerfield out of Duncan. Uh, again, he, that, he was a burner. Uh, I mean, an, an absolute burner there uh, out, of, out of Duncan. I remember he was getting to the top of the route prior to the ball being there. I know he's a guy that Coach Curley was high on. Obviously, you've got Diego Richards, if he can stay healthy. Just, I just, he was he was so good last. He was so good last year, and then he got hurt. And then I don't, I don't think he, he was the same after. But we can just keep Diego healthy. I I, I really, I mean, that that unit right there, we, we, I mean, when you look at him, you look at Javion, Look at the true freshman, Kavion Williams out of Westmore. I felt it's gonna be very tough. Keep off the field. I just it just screams JT Looper to me. I just if we get even half of what JT did in the UCLA uniform, boy, I mean that that that's gonna be so something because uh, JT Looper. If you went there in 2717 to see that trio of JT Looper, Josh Crockett, and Elliot Curry. Uh, you you missed out on 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 a treat uh, because boy that was a heck of a trio right there, and I think you have the potential with Madison Ridgeway or with Kevion Williams 
And like I said, you've got guys like Jalen Dangerfield. You've got Bryce Williams. Uh, you've got another redshirt freshman I'm extremely high on. He's the second one. Terrell Davis out of Choctaw. I just, that takes Scream, Elliot Curry. If we get that out of him, I just did the, 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 the receiving unit for the next three or four years is going to be fantastic because uh, it's also not counting Jalen Slim Reed out of Ardmore. The true freshman, I feel like, is a spitting image of Akil Hall. Um, Akil Hall, again, is, I questioned him early on in that 2018 season because I remember former head coach Nick Bobek was bragging about him for two years. And the first, like, three games of the season, the man had two catches, and I called him out. And uh, next thing I know, the man is going off for a like 100-yard game. So if we just get the same thing there out of out of Mr. Jalen Slim Reed, uh, I just I think the receiving core is going to be extremely good. I, I do. Now, it might take some time uh, because, like I said before, it's a very young unit. It's a very unproven unit. I think, though, you give that unit time, I think that unit is going to be very, very, very good for years to come. I know Coach Curley are extremely high on that unit, um, and, and, and so I'm really looking forward to seeing what they can do. They might actually catch guys off guard because they really they don't know what to expect. They haven't seen any of these dudes uh, but they, there's some fast physical ball players in that unit, so uh, I think I think the the skill guys here, we definitely have enough to, to to move to move the ball, have better success offensively than we did last year. But it all comes down to the offensive line. Now, I know this is Coach Coach Droll's unit. Uh, I Coach Droll about this in great detail. He's confident in his in his unit. That is obviously led by Junior Lane Grantham, uh, obviously uh, all-conference caliber guy. I, I know he was banged up someday in 2019, uh, and I know he's, he's moving back to center now with his, his uh, position coming out of Westmore. Um, so I, I heard he had a great spring uh, as, as, as well. I know he slimmed down some. So I'm really looking forward to, to seeing that there. I think he's been a guy I felt like has been on that cusp of like all conference upper upper echelon all conference honors uh, the past few seasons. I'm I'm hoping that he has a good healthy junior year. Uh, then you also got another guy I'm really high on here. I think is a dude if if he can improve, it should also be in that conversation. Maybe two or three years down the line, looking at a guy that that might get a shot at a at a various pro league. That is that is Noah Dobson out of Carl Albert. Uh, that that tape. I just looking at the guy six three three forty that was pulling and pulling well. Uh, extremely as as athletic for his size. I think he took over. I midway through last year and did not relinquish that that job. I think he took over after Hector uh, Sarah got got hurt and uh, just held on to that to that job. I think it's a guy that got better as the season went on. Uh, just a great a great run blocker, which is fantastic because uh, we're going to be you know running the ball a whole lot. So I think we can run behind Lane, run behind Noah. 
good things should be happening. Now, I, I also know uh, that you got Hector Becerra back. They also got Kellen Culberson in the uh, Stephen F. Austin transfer. Was a treat to talk to. <laughs> it was a treat to talk to. He's in the mix, but I do know Coach has been high on, I believe it is Montreal Lee, right? I think I think it's Montreal Lee out of Dell City. It was either him or Robert Gibbons. One of those two. I can't remember exactly which one at the uh, at, at the moment. But uh, he he was re- he was really high on them. They're both redshirt freshmen. I think you also got uh, sophomore Cooper McCoy out of Durant that has has played some. That was before you have uh, Hector Becerra out of Lawton that got hurt. He was starting and and, and then that got hurt last year. I uh, just was not able to to really get his job back because of what Noah was doing. Now, behind them, however, though, uh, you had a lot of young dudes. You had a lot of registered freshmen, a lot of freshmen in there. Um, so that's another group that the starting experience, I mean, I think on that front unit should be good. However, if there is um, injuries, we're throwing out a lot of inexperienced guys. I think you will see that across the board. Uh, that they, they, they did sign a really good freshman class, though, in my opinion. Uh, Reese Trammell out of, out of Mustang. Uh, Mason Mitchell out of Texas. Uh, Walker Peck, the center guard out of Norman North. And then Brandon Carter out of Tecumseh. And you guys have got, got Camden Billy out of Thomas. I think that's a group, especially Reese Trammell and Mason Mitchell were two guys. That film just jumped off at me, especially Reese Trammell. I think he has the body already. He is. Reese is, if we can find him here on the roster, 6'4", 295 already. And that was a very mean, mean man. He was coached. Uh by my former history teacher in high school, Lynn Hepner. I know Coach Hepner, when I talked to him about him, extremely high on, on Reese. I think Reese is a guy might be seeing the field sooner rather than later. And then Mason Mitchell is a guy, watching that film, Um, a very smart player. Now, he, he's currently only 2 270, so I imagine he'll, he'll get the red shirt. But, like, that that's a guy does a very good job of pushing people out the hole. Now a lot of guys are just just pancake a dude, um, but he he literally he pushes them away from the hole that running back is supposed to be in. And I I felt like I have not seen that a lot at the high school level. Most just just brute. I'm gonna just dominate you with just no regard for anything for, for anything, but. I, I really feel like though he he's a guy if he gets stronger, uh, has has a lot a lot of potential. So that's a position I feel more confident in than I did last year. I'm um, just given the overall talent. I it might take time to find that right lineup uh, and, and get the guys experience. But I think the talent level is there for a long-term success on that offensive line. Get back to what we had 
in 2017, 2018, when you had the Tyler Stillwells, the, the Noah Hammonds, the Nick Georges, the, the Ben Rawsons of the other world, the, the uh, uh, Aaron, Aaron Wilsons of the world, right? And, and when, when, when Aaron Williams, Aaron Williams is of the other world. Like the, those, those guys, that was a big physical group that was really good in both the run and pass game. Which was which was why Yusha was setting all those all those all those records uh, during that that three year span right there. Uh, then turning to defense, you have probably the strength of the whole team here. That defensive line, and again, I, you can't say enough good things about defensive line coach Rashad Sanders. Did done an immaculate job. I mean, let's just call it what it is here. Done an immaculate job uh, because again, if you're if you're new. 2019 pass rush was very bad. Not have a sack until game six, I believe. Uh, and only got the sacks because they moved a linebacker, Draquan Brown, who uh, played last season for the Houston Gamblers of the USFL from linebacker to defensive end. And then he appreciated to have to lead the team with six, with six and a half sacks, a forced fumble, and a return for a touchdown. In the last five games of the season, um, last season though, uh, he had signed a great class in 2020. Guys like Zane Adams, guys like Hunter Largent, guys like like Vodka, uh, guys like Montreal Kozar, and then he added to that last season by bringing in guys like Mike Pope Jr., bringing in guys like Michael Slater, Robert Robert Fuentes. And uh, what we saw was the best defensive line since 2018. And a, a line right there, like I said, that is anchored by the two returning Jucos, Robert Fuentes and Michael Slater, who are changing numbers. So Robert Fuentes is going from 94 to zero, taking uh, Josh Moore's number. Josh Moore, man, just if he could have stayed healthy, if he if he could have had faster starts of the season, oh, because he was so good down the stretch the past two years, and then you have Michael Slater taking number eight. I forgot. I don't know who number eight was last year. I I, I don't know. Who, did we have a number eight last year? Regardless, though, so he's moving from ninety to number eight. So now he joins Mike Pope Jr. now as single digits on that defensive line. Now, I will say Mike Pope Jr. is a guy I really hope that we he, he gets more snaps because when I went back and watched the film when we, when we, before I brought him on, that's a guy that made the most of his snaps. That, that is a very physical football player. I know he's only 250, but he plays like he's 350. I mean, j- just a violent man, gets all blocks. I just... I know there was other guys there last year. There was uh there was there was Joseph Roki. Uh there was um uh, the dude from North North Texas, uh Shaw, Derek, Derek Shaw, and I feel like there was another oh Cesar Salt. So there there were three seniors there, I think, ahead of him in that in that rotation. Uh so I'm thinking he should, especially at the defensive end spot now. Uh, should should have a chance to get some more reps there. Uh, now, I know that they also, because, of course, Coach Hammonds would go out and add more talent to an already stacked unit. Uh, 
They brought in Arkansas transfer Julius Coach 6'6 290. He's a guy uh, that actually played a lot for them in 2020. I think he had like a couple of sacks, some TFLs, about 20 tackles. Uh, I'm just saying now, you add him to that defensive tackle rotation of of Slater, uh, Zayda Adams, Hunter Largent, Vaca, and now you add a 6'6", 290 dude with SEC experience. I mean, you know, I just, the risk get richer. Then I see they added another Juco, and I hope I'm saying this man's name right, Javasia Brunson, 6'3", 300, out of Tyler Junior College. Um, Again, I just another guy, and just the way that we've hit on JUCOs under Coach Sanders, I expect this man to come in there and make another big hit. They also got another transfer from North North Texas, Calvin Hutchings, six four two sixty, and they also brought in another JUCO transfer, Jalen Claude, six four two fifty. From Pearl River Community College, I believe that is in Mississippi. So they added some more depth there. Um, I see they moved Noah West back from linebacker back to deep, back back to end. I know in spring he was linebacker. I think that might have been due to just the overall lack of numbers there. But Noah West was a guy as well on that defensive end spot was solid. Uh, I think the defensive line, and also given the fact, too, you got Mason Given, the 300-pounder off red shirt. You also have Caleb Biglow and Muskogee that are off red shirt that I know. Uh, what is it, Coach Donald? Is somebody, somebody mentioned his name. I, it it might have it been Coach Doral uh, that he said impressed him. And there's a guy I'm really excited to see. Finally play That is Montreal Cozart, six foot two seventy five, out of Bishop Kelly. That tape, I'm t- that that junior tape, because I think he missed his senior season. Coach Sanders said that junior tape. Uh, I mean, odd boy. Uh, he, I mean, running people down the field. Uh he he's a guy. No, Coach Sanders is, is really high on. I, I'm I'm just saying it, that defensive line it got it got better. I didn't think it was possible for the line to get better than it was last year. It got better. I think that I think that the, that the second unit got better. I think Hosanders did a very good job of, of replacing the three guys I mentioned earlier that are that are now gone. Um, that's a unit I would suspect. I know Hosanders expected to see more out of them as well. And even talking to uh, Mike Pope Jr., uh, he, he even said that the group as a whole expects to do better. So I think if you get Vodka to live up to the hype because that tip on the Poto, that, that uh, boy, that, that, that 2020 class of Vodka, uh, Montreal, Zane, and Hunter, uh, boy, I watched that tape for like an hour because it's, oh, <laughs> You <laughs> Hunter and Nose Guard six foot three forty five, just the 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 athleticism of him. I mean, I, he he had that sack against uh, Northeastern State. He fired off that ball, shot through the gap. I mean, it, it was oh, <laughs> he's so good. I mean, that defensive line 
you can't say enough good things there uh, about what Coach Sanders has has, has, has has done with that group. I know, I know talking to uh, uh, Brandon Lechtenberg, the uh, DC, uh, I know he was over the moon about that unit. Uh, so uh, I, I just, I really can't wait to see what those guys do next, especially Robert Fuentes, because when we talked to Coach Sanders, uh, he mentioned that Robert didn't even get there until like a few weeks prior to fall camp. So now you get Robert in there, uh, a full season of weights, uh, which I know Coach Coach uh, Doral said they made great strides there in the weight room. They were deficient in, in, a, in a lot of areas, he felt like, and, and made tremendous strides there. So uh, if that's the case, we know Robert led the team last year with four sacks. Uh, but I'm mean, just a beast. You watch that Fort Hayes, watch the Fort Hayes game, watch the Pitt State game, watch Northeastern State, and watch Central Missouri. I feel like are four of his oh and Missouri Western four of his best games right there. Uh, this is about a man. He's six four two two forty. He's tall. He's long. He doesn't get tired. Uh, I, I just, I, he's he's different. And him and Slater are the, are two dudes that is is different than anybody I've seen on a defensive line in a UCL uniform. Uh, Michael Slater, you watch every game he played. I think he missed one game. You watch every game he he, he played in there. The man made plays. Uh, I think it was the Pitt State game where he ran down the quarterback on the other side of the field and got the strip sack. I think it was either Wasburn or Northwest Missouri where he was hurt on the play and still made the tackle. I mean, it's just an absolute beast, man. And so, uh, you know, I think, if we, like I said, if if, if we, we, we're improving off of, of that, uh, we give Mike Pope some more reps, uh, Julius Coates comes in there and, and, and does what he did at the SEC level, and those those JUCOs pan out, and we get a better output out of Vaca and 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 Montro Cozart, and that boy, it's gonna be. I know talking to uh, Jace and Peyton and Dante, uh, and and even 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 Lane, and I think Noah Dobbs and Hector Becerra as well. It is not fun going up against those guys in practice. So uh, I I just I just boy I just I can't wait to see what that unit does. I think. I would have to say, man, even though I just could be biased, I feel like we're, we're talking worst case, like second, third in the conference. My opinion, probably the best future line in the whole conference. Uh, I just I just really feel like, like that unit's in store for a great season. Now, looking at linebacker was a unit that was hit hard by graduation and defectors. Obviously, we know. They ran a 4-2-5 last year. They used uh, Jonathan Mosley as like a hybrid guy. Um, but in terms of last year's starters, both are gone. Uh, Lamontre Huval, fantastic. Um, he graduated. And then uh, due out of Vian, uh, Eliza Wright, he transferred to uh, OSU to play with his brother Solomon. So I know they're moving back to a 4-3, uh, but I am interested to see what Coach Lechtenberg does because I know he is from that Gary Patterson tree. So um, I know there were some things he mentioned. 
that even though they're not going to be running a 4-2-5, he's going to try to incorporate that he, that he learned from his time there. That's a unit to me more so than defensive back uh, is the biggest question mark on the team just because there's no returning starter and the, the guys with experience are all returning from injuries pretty much. I mean, Jason Harris was hurt last year. I think he has been healthy since, what, 2018, 2019, when he was he was really good. Um, Marlo Hughes, you know, he was hurt in 2019, had that collarbone. It was fortunate. I felt like he was turning, like, turning the corner. And then, you know, because we only went two linebackers last year, he was kind of relegated to special teams. I know he, you know, he said he was still trying to get back. Uh, and then you also had Jaden Moen out of Millwood that also got hurt. So, you know, th- there's not much proven returning guys the past two years that you can look at and say, you know, or or, or dudes. Now, last time they played, they were they were some dudes, uh, but you just you haven't seen that. Uh, and then I know they they had a transfer last year from Harding, Connor Johnson. I think it was. I think it was Coach Doral that he he he's yeah, he's he's really high on how high on him. Uh, they brought in several JUCOs. Uh, Blake Barron, he signed with OSU out of out of high school. Uh, actually played there. I know Coach Doral was high on him as well. Uh, there's Chris Herbin out of JUCO in Cali. I think he's a big dude. Yeah, six four, two thirty. Uh so um. Now, I'm just saying, with that kind of size right there, we haven't had a linebacker of that size since Alex Figueroa. And Alex Figueroa was a very good linebacker. Um, As a matter of fact, he was so good, actually, that I feel like um, his stock kind of plummeted in the the draft because 2018, nobody ran his way. So uh, there was a lot of tackles for... Langston Underwood for Dylan Hall for um, Colton Lindsay for Chris well yeah for Chris Pogai and for uh, I'm missing somebody uh, Jason Harris I think Jason Harris played that that season as well um, but uh, that's just elite level level size there so uh, we, he can live up to that would be fantastic. Um, and they also brought in uh, Zion Bell, who we had on as a guest again, another very funny dude uh, out of Kilgore uh, Community College there in Texas. Uh, him and Kellen Culberson are roommates, and I can just only only imagine the foolishness that goes on in there because uh, those <laughs> those are two those are two characters. Um, so you know, again, when you when you look and see the amount of JUCOs brought in, they also brought in uh, Jacoby Johnson, the redshirt freshman from Midwest City from North Texas. Uh, if you just look at the amount of JUCOs that's brought in, if you're a Lucio fan, you can't help but kind of get the flashback to 2019 in defensive line class. It didn't really live up to the hype. And so um, I think you get kind of nervous in that in that guard because, like I said, I mean, you got their options are JUCOs. You got guys coming off 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 injuries, 
Uh, then there's Freshman. There's Jack Puckett out of Bigsby. I think reminded me a lot of Dylan of Dylan Hall. Uh, there's Joey Haver out of Jinx. I think that this this is a guy could potentially be a four year starter. Uh, I mean, you watch that tape out of Jinx. I know he's only. 200 right now, so I think you because he played that hybrid safety role at Jinx, but a physical ball player, uh, just was always around the ball. Uh, I said it reminded me a lot of Trayvon Craig, which you're probably asking yourself, How does a linebacker remind you of Trayvon Craig? Listen, you haven't seen Trayvon Craig play, and we'll get I'll get the Trayvon more in depth here shortly. Uh, you you kind of understand my kind of comparison, and then there's Chase Faber out of McAllister having D one offers. I know uh, Coach Lechtenberg was really high on him. I know when I talked talked to him, I forgot him in the linebackers, and he was quick to point him out and mention how high he was on him. So that they got a steal there. Uh, so he's a guy that might actually be able to play. I mean, he is 6'2", 220, so I wouldn't be surprised just the way that Coach talked about him uh, if he did not earn his way onto the front of the field. But that's a unit that, to me, is a big question mark. I, I don't know what to expect. Now, if we get 2019 Jason Harris, we get 2019 Marlon Hughes, and Connor Johnson led up to the to the hype. Then I think we're we're in tremendous shape because uh, Jason Harris was an All Conference guy prior to being uh, injured the past few seasons. Marlo Hughes was was on his way to being an All Conference guy uh, prior to being injured. So if those guys come back from their injuries and return to their form, uh, then we should be good. Uh, then we should be good. And and then like I say, you just hope the JUCOs pan out. Uh, you hope that Connor Johnson can live up to the hype. And then, uh, you know, like I said, uh, I don't know what Jacoby Johnson out of Midwest City. Uh, we at here. Um, so, you know, I just, I just, I think that that's a unit with talent. I just think it's an untapped talent. And um, looking forward to seeing what they, uh, what they, what they do. Now, probably in the most criticized unit on the defense last year, Rightfully so. Uh, I I know Coach Doral said he didn't really he didn't, he didn't he didn't really get why the, the there was so much criticism on the defensive back unit. Uh, I I think it was just mainly because the the the, the corners the corners last year really until Kobe Stevens got solidified there opposite of Darius Hawkins did the. Did it somewhat improve? Uh, you have Malik Gray, just, 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 I mean, you talk about one of the, probably the biggest disappointment I have seen in the UCL uniform, just to be quite, quite honest with, with, with you here. I think more so than Taz Griffin, the former Oregon transfer at running back. Taz's problem is he just couldn't hold on to the, to, to the, to the football. But uh, Malik, Malik Gray, just, I mean, you had all the physical tools, 6'2". I mean, it was All-American in high school, four-star, signed with Tennessee. I mean, dude was, dude was bad. Let's just call it what it was. He, was. he was bad. He was getting cooked by everybody. And I was just, just every time, it, it pained me when he came on the field 
because you know what was going to happen. It was either going to be a catch or pass interference. And I was just glad when Kobe Stevens was able to secure that spot right there. It, 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 was, it was just such a big sigh of relief there because, like I said, that was just... Just brutal. It, it, it was. It was. It was very, 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 very brutal. But I feel like we're in a better spot now. Um, you return. Probably, I fuck a man that that's been robbed the past two years of first team All Conference. That is safety Dylan Buckheit. Uh just again, it's just another guy I have watched the last three years and more, along with uh, along with James James Gardner. A guy that's better than he's supposed to be. Uh, he, he doesn't have like the elite speed, the measurables, but he's just always around the ball, always in the right spot. Um, it's just, it's just a guy. I, I just, I mean, just so good. I mean, you, you look, look at that. If you look at the safety play during my time, I mean, O'Shea Harris, Jacari Hunt, um, Dylan Buckheit, and then even uh, Marshall Washington. Last year, the Georgia Southern transfer was was very solid. Uh, he was he was not flashy, but he was he was very very solid. Um, but you know you, that's a unit now that has a weird mix of returning guys, some transfers. Uh, they've got they also returned Jonathan Mosley back. They returned Raquan Wicks back. Raquan Wicks is again at the game when he picked there against against Missouri Western last year. Uh, he actually went to went to media day with Dante McGee and Coach Doral. So I would suspect I know that's a guy that Coach Bobek said uh he felt like could play on Sundays. So uh, uh hopefully we get to see more of that. Um and then they also return uh Trayvon Craig. Now Trayvon Craig is a guy. I was glad I was able to to, to talk to him. Because that Trayvon, first of all, if you have not listened to that to the episode, I highly, highly encourage you to do so. I, I apologize for the audio on my end. I did not realize that I didn't have my Yeti mic on. I had the camera mic on because it resets itself for whatever reason when I closed my computer and forgot to check that. Regardless, though, a fantastic interview. Trayvon's story, just go listen to that to that interview. I, it is it's so good. And I just hate the fact that he literally this is this is probably it for him. Unless the NCAA gives him a waiver to wrestle, because he because he's also a wrestler, uh to wrestle in the spring. This is it for him. And and, and it's and it's truly unfortunate. Uh, because Trayvon last year, I felt like played the best ball of his career. He's still only a junior, which makes it worse. Uh, but talking to him, he was not actually happy with the way he played, which to me is crazy because Trayvon Cray last year, by far him and Dylan Buckheit, the best run supporting defensive backs there. I felt like he got better in coverage. I know he did get beat against Lincoln, uh, but I felt like he got better in coverage. He had that nice sideline pick there uh, against Northeastern State off a great pressure by, by Mike Pope Jr. Um, 
And so he he's a guy, and he's also changed numbers now. He was 37 last year. He is wearing number seven, I think it was his high school number. Um, and that's a guy I, I really, him and Kobe Stevens, who's switching from 23 to three, I really expect to, to, to really have great seasons. I think Kobe's a guy was put in a very tough spot. I think anytime you're a true freshman playing corner in this league, it is truly sink or swim. And, and, and Kobe definitely uh, swam right there. I think he's a guy that, that got stronger in the offseason. I, I know Coach uh, Coach Adam McGuire, the DB coach, was 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 pleased with both Kobe and and Trayvon, uh, as well as Buck Height. I know Coach Doyle was extremely high when we, we talked talk to him on Raekwon Wicks, who is switching from I think he was thirty one to fifteen. Um, and so I, I, I'm really curious. And I don't know where exactly they're going to line Craig up. Uh, I know last year he said he played the same role as Mosley did was that hybrid spot. So I'm not, I don't know if we're going to have Trayvon in nickel at safety or what. Uh, I know Mosley said he's playing the Bronco position. So I don't know if that's still like a, that's the influence from Gary Patterson that Coach Lechtenberg was, was, was talking about. Uh, so I'm not sure where they're going to line up at. Now, he, they did also bring in some transfers as well. Uh, they brought in sophomore from Sam Houston State, Amante Davis, wearing number 14 from O'Shea Harris. So I hope the man's ready to uh, live up to the hype there. They also brought in senior Raymond McGuire, uh, 6'1 170 from Livingston, Livingstone College. And they also brought in Von Derry. I know it's someone that Coach uh, Droll was high on when I talked to him. Uh, 5'11", 190 senior out of Bucknell. And then they added someone since that time as well. They added a senior Marco Domio, D-O-M-I-O, Domio, Domio, uh, 6'1", 180 out of Central Florida. So uh, there's a lot of transfers there, which I think is smart because they signed a really good defensive back class. There is one true freshman defensive back. Uh, I just, again, I, I've said this before. I'll say it again. If you go back to that signing day, I said there's someone that's going to be very tough to keep off the field. It is someone that we brought on. Uh, he he's extremely confident. He's not he's not cocky. He's just confident. There there, there is a difference, uh, and that is Jalik Lewis out of Denison, Texas. Now Jalik didn't inform me. He actually moved from Durant to Denison. I think he said he's sophomore year of high school, something like that. Uh, you watch that film though. Uh, you talk about a press man extraordinaire right there. Uh, blanketed his 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 man. He knows how to use the sideline. I just I just I just I got a feeling. I got a feeling similar to the aforementioned um, Tyrone Howe. I just even though there's guys in front of him, I just I have a feel. I just have a suspicious feeling 
Delete Lewis is going to find his way on the field sooner rather than, than later. Uh, then they also, also added Grant Lore, the Jinx transfer from Jinx to OBU transfer as well. Uh, and then there's also Aaron Hamilton. I know that both Coach Coach Doral and uh, Coach Coach McGuire were high on out of the same high school as Kobe Stevens out of Walker. So uh, if he can make the same impact as Kobe Stevens did, then I feel like we should probably should probably be looking at at the Walker pretty hard every year because <laughs> we we get we get two guys that can. Uh, Come in there and make an early impact in 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 this in this league as a defensive back. Uh, and I think there's something uh, something in the water down there in in Wawoka that uh, we need to, to to look at more closely. There's also Jamori Ray out of Union that I know Coach McGuire was high on. When I, I talked to him. Um, you also got Mark Goldsby, the resident freshman out of out of Holland Hall. I think it's one of the fastest guys on the team. I think he has like four four speed or four three speed. Uh, I know when we talked. I know when I talked to Peyton Lusk. I know he mentioned how excited he is uh, that people will get to see Mark Goldsby this year. Uh, so uh, that's a unit I think is in much better shape than, than it was last year. Um, I, I think as long as Dylan Dylan Bughead is back there, uh, you should be good. I said I expected better season out of Rayquan Wicks. I think mostly now moving to a more of a true safety spot might be good. Um, obviously, there's Trayvon Craig, who I suspect will have a tremendous season because um, this is probably it for him. And I think him knowing that uh, he, when, I, when I talked to him, he he again he made it a point. Like he he kind of he's operating under the guise that this is it. So. You know, he's going all out. Uh, and then, obviously, you've got the transfers there. I'm curious to see what they do. But you got guys from UCF, a very good program. Sam Houston State, a very good program. So, um, that's a unit I'm way more confident in than I was this time last year. Uh, I, I feel like it can't be worse than it was last year. And I feel like with the defensive line getting better and getting deeper, uh, it should it should only make the defensive backs job easier because uh, that should be the less they have to actually defend and and um, that just makes everybody's life easier. Rounding it out here, looking at the specialist at kicker, you've got four on the roster now. I would suspect talking to Coach Doral, it's gonna be probably either be down to David Vargas. On Guthrie by way of Swasu, a sophomore, and uh, sophomore Nikki Nikki Covedo, uh, Alex Covedo's younger brother that kicked some last year. Uh, they also have two walk-offs, uh, Tyler Cowan out of Union and Cooper Kyler out of Pahuska. Uh So I'm curious to see how that goes. I know they also had David Vargas. I think Coach Dorlson also was practicing at Punter, where they have... Francisco Moreno, who we had on, the senior from uh, Guadalupe, Mexico. Again, that's another great story. If you have not listened to that episode, uh, please do, because I, that man's determination right there is just off the charts. And then you have sophomore Bill Phelps, who is switching from number 13 to number 48 this year. 
I remember he was the punter for the last 10 games of the season who we also had on. Who also was battling some, some illnesses last year. Um, so I know he said he was expecting himself to have a better better season as well. Uh, and then a long snapper. You got two freshmen competing for the job. You have Darian Perry out of Broken Arrow. Follows your boy on social media. I appreciate that, Darian. And then Batten Burdett out of Full Shear, Texas. So um, I don't remember talking to uh, both Bo and Francisco. Uh, they they didn't they didn't really know who would end up being the long snapper. I do know both felt said he'll probably end up being the holder. I know that in the past the holders have been uh, Dustin Boskis, and then I think last year was Bizel the fourth. So um, you know, so I, I guess it'll be both both Phelps this year. And then Ever Turner, I'm not entirely sure. Last year. It was Bizel and Marquis. No, was it Marquis? Marquis got hurt. I think it was. It was. I know Bizel was the punt returner the whole season, but I think yeah, the kick, the kick returner. I feel like it was Bizel, Marquis, and Josh Moore. So I don't know. They might have Bizel do the do the do the punts again. Uh, I'm not sure how that's gonna 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 go. You got. Plenty of options though for Coach uh, Curly to figure that out, but overall, I'm really like I said, I, I I like the roster, I like the talent that's there. A lot is is not proven, um, so keep that in mind. There's only I counted there's only eight seniors, so a, a really young football team, but a hungry football team, and, and a football team I suspect will be well coached. I suspect will put the guys in the best position to succeed. Uh, I think we'll, we'll, we'll play good, clean football. I think there might be some, some growing pains early on. This is where you wish the MIAA wasn't so brutal and, and you know, kind of had some non-conference games and we, we open with one of the weaker teams. But, you know, I think Thursday, uh, it's, it'll give us a idea I would not, I would wait to judge the team, give them three or four games in before I before I at least really make a determination on, on how I feel about this team. Because it's gonna take time, because obviously practice is different than games. It's gonna take time for coaches to figure out the best lineups, um, figure out the best spot for guys. So I, I think, but you know, around game three, around game four, should have a good indication at that point about, about what we have. And again, I suspect if I had to put a number on wins this year, so I think in 2019, I said what I said. Well, get to that because 2020, 2019, I said it was going to be a seven win team, and I feel like that should have been the case with the injuries. Uh, heading into 2020, I had them pegged for a seven win team. Given they would have had TJ Roberts back, given they were supposed to have uh, Will Collins and and Chandler Garrett and a lot of other guys back that that left during that COVID year, uh, and then last year I had the bar set at six, um, and they were close. They had several tough losses. Um, so this year, if I had to put a number on it. 
I mean, given the faces, that's... Again, I'm going to go with six. I, 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 I personally, I know the locker room, they're going to hear this and be mad at me. Personally, for me, just given all the new faces from the coaching staff and the players and the conference that we play in, that is a bloodbath literally every single week, especially Missouri Southern now is a much improved ball club, uh, as is Northeastern State, and Lincoln was really good offensively last year. I I still say, I think six, six. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they win more than six. To me, if they can get to if you if you were to tell me now without seeing this team really play, if if they could go six and five, at least get a winning a winning record, uh, I'd be happy with that. Now, obviously, you know they want they want to obviously they want to win an national championship, uh, but they 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 at least want to get back to a bowl. I think it's possible. Um, I just I'm concerned about the depth as far as experience goes, and, and I'm just concerned about growing pains as well for guys, not necessarily like within the system, but within playing actual games because again it's different than practice. So my floor for this team, the floor, I feel like if we handle Northeastern State, Lincoln, Missouri Southern, that's three wins. Uh, Fort Hayes, I mean, that's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. So, Central Missouri, I know they have a new coach. They have Coach, coach Lamberson, that was actually the OC here for like a month before their coach took the OC job at Tulane, and then they hired him. So I'm not entirely sure what they're going to be looking like. That's a possible win. Uh, it's Kearney, boy. Kearney's good. Wasburn's good. Northwest is good. Pitt State was a game I felt like we were robbed in last year. I, I really do. They gave us that bogus penalty on that punt that um, pretty much allowed them to run the, run the, run the, run the clock out. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I see the floor for this team. I'm talking worst case scenario. We have bad luck in close games again. Five wins. Uh, I'm shooting for six as if everything is just, it's just a normal season. They just get beaten some games. I'm thinking six should be the floor. I'm thinking we're looking on the high end. Everything goes well. We're able to win those even games against Fort Hayes, Central Missouri, Pitt. Uh, I'm thinking we should be looking at a seven, eight win team on the high side. Get back to a bowl game. But like I said, we should have a, a, a better, at least a better grasp on them come, come, come Thursday. Uh, 7 p.m. on the MIAA Network. I've already bought my season pass for that. I'm hyped for that. Uh, of course, they will play the same time as OSU plays because, you know, you still can never have nice things when it comes to when it comes to timing on football games. But uh, I'm really looking forward to that there. Like I said, we, we have... Um, We'll have the recap episode up for you that Sunday. Uh, we usually had the highlight video up that Monday. 
And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what the team does this year. I'm really excited. Um, the 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 uh, just the the, the 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 renewed energy in the program I think is is is, is much needed. I know the the guys are, are really high on the coaching staff. Coaching staff are really high on the on on the guys. Um, I think both are bought in. There seems to be some chemistry there uh, already. I think the the I think everybody's focused. Everybody has has one goal that is really to just prove everybody wrong. And so I think that this team definitely can do it. I'm looking forward to seeing them start that journey Thursday against Missouri Western. Before I get out of here, I just, I have to extend another gratitude and thanks to you all. We are almost at 60 subscribers over on the YouTube channel. Last time I checked here, which was maybe about two months ago, we were at 16. I remember we were at three back in December. So um, that that's, that's also big. Well, like I said, the weekly episodes will be on here. Um, and then we'll have a highlight video over on the YouTube channel. And there's some more if you go watch that last live stream. Uh, Lane Grantham's dad, Mr. Grantham, came in with a boatload of good ideas that we're going to try to make happen. So uh, we're we going to be doing some big things over here this year. I, this is the comeback season that I'm hoping I had planned to have last year that we're going to try to put into overdrive this year. So uh, if you're new here, welcome. And this is your home for everything you show football. We're going to have more one-on-ones with other athletes, which you saw some of this offseason now that I have a nine-to-five and can follow other sports better. So just expect to see some of those also sprinkled in uh, as 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 well throughout the uh, year. But uh, right now, the attention is full sale on UCO football, and I'm looking forward to seeing what they do. So... Uh, until Sunday, my name is Jonathan Goodo, a.k.a. J.G. Smooth. I'll talk to you all later.